the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And we are here. Thanking you for joining us, as always, each Sunday night as we make our, th- our way each and every weekend. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Jacob. You're in there with us. Let's let's get on the air here. Oh, okay. You ready right. to yeah. get it on? We're starting our 17th time now. Is that right? Through the scriptures. This wow. is number 17. We're starting back at the, uh, as they year, say. Next the, year we'll have a little wine to celebrate, oh, huh? That's, I yeah. guess so, yeah. But <laughs> the beginning, right? We're back to Genesis chapter 1. We've made a our way. A new beginning. A new beginning. Every year we're working our way through the entire Bible, and we're so grateful that you come along. We hope that it's helpful and encouraging to you, we enlightening do. and inspirational to you as a believer, as one who loves God and follows God and honors the book and understands the message uh, that the book brings us, that old book, uh, the Bible. And so we're we're trying to um, unwrap it and move through it every year and show the consistency, show the, the message, the core message that exists there all the way through the scriptures. And uh, Jacob is along. Jacob uh, gives us that historical uh, setting that uh, the Hebrew culture, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew traditions and history, and gives us that understanding that comes from so many centuries. Uh, Not him, not Jacob himself. No. uh, uh, Just a matter of decades with you, but so many centuries of, of rich heritage studying the scriptures studying no, we all the, read the, we yeah. all read it and it's quite old so it is right and so uh fact, he's got some things to at share. the beginning i'm thrilled about you what you're talking about tonight we we're talking about how do we approach now these books of the starting all over again let's say for the moment you know we're we're going to take the the bible as it kind of it records it's written over a period of a thousand five hundred years and here we have this this account uh, as we look at the Genesis chapters 1 through 3, we look at this account of the beginning of all things. Uh, one of the great things I like about the book of Genesis is that uh, it's the beginning of many things. Not only the creation of the world in the opening chapters, but everything is new. Everything that comes up is the first time. The first guy that played an instrument. Are the first guy actually, that built a city. <laughs> are you actually trying to tell me? That you think that God created the world and that we're not just a product of evolution? Well, uh, that's that's what the book says. Is and, that what you're trying to and say? And that is really, I I want to talk about that a little bit. I thought you tonight. might. Yeah, was, I was prodding you. I, I saw that wink, wink. So, but the point is, we are we are taking your calls tonight as well. This is a this is a great topic that has become very momentous and very 
important for our day, for our culture. For the last uh, 50, 60, maybe even up to 100 years, there has been a, a, a terrific battle about this topic, and, and it, it's more than just a scientific deal about how did it happen, how did we happen to be here where we are, and so on. Uh, it, but it's, it, it is, it has definite roots in spirituality. That it's a denial of God, the denial of the Creator. There's been this strong movement, and they say that the agnostic, atheistic move in the, in among the among the millennials, among the the, the newer generation, is on the rise, and and so there is this uh, there is this greater acceptance of that uh, idea that we're here just as a product of a. How would you call it? A product of a godless or sort chance. of a chance process yeah. that we just happen to come up out of the slime and somehow or other we don't even know uh, the magic. The magic of evolutionary uh, uh, secular evolutionary thought. The magic is time. That's that's what ah, they add. That's the element stole, they add okay. to make. Oh, everything's explainable. Well, we don't ah. see any evidence of that. Well, we're not enough time. Well, what's the very first? Sophie, yeah. what's the very first thing that God created? Very first thing. <laughs> Are you saying time? I am. No, you're How saying about time. That? I, I because if time. it says in beginning, that's the start of time. Well, I never thought of that. So, yeah. and in Genesis, there are ten utterances or speeches, words from God. Every time it says, God said, God said, God said. But if you count them, there's nine. So the Jews have always understood that in beginning was the first one, number ten. And in the beginning starts time. Wow. My brain just exploded right there. That, I, I never thought of that. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know. Listeners, have you ever thought of that before? The whole idea that we, we understand time and we understand the sense that, well, I say we understand time, but I'm I'm saying God uh, lives outside of time. He's, he lives he's in eternal. Uh, I am, uh, and yet He created this sphere, this context, this uh, world that we live in. With it, we live, we experience our reality uh, sequentially. One thing happens, and the next moment something else happens. Something changes. Uh, Jacob raises his hand. He points at the uh, blinking light that tells us that somebody's on the phone right now. And, and one thing happens. That, that's the way we experience our existence, our reality. And yet God is outside of time. Every, he's the great I am, the timeless one. He lives in eternity. Well, okay, let's let's move into the now the Genesis chapters. Uh, we read Genesis chapters one through twenty-one. We did. That was on our reading uh, reading schedule. Oh, that's right. We did. Week. We yeah. did. Of course. Genesis one through twenty-one. We're going to focus a little bit here on those beginning chapters, uh, as the uh, the earth, the world is created, uh, and I want Jacob to be able to talk to us a little bit about um, about the historical, traditional, linguistic, uh, Hebrew perspective of. The creation event, and we can share some resources through the through the hour here. There's some wonderful websites out there, and there's some wonderful resources uh, talking about even even not just preachers and, and theologians or philosophers either. Even there, there are some great physicists uh, of, of renown, uh, worldwide renown, and so on, who speak to the idea. And the and the and the great physicists of noun. <laughs> Noun, Noun, and nouns, renowns? yeah, and, and then renowns and renowns. Yeah. That's right. They, there are there are some things out there you can read, and, and they they're talking with the things we're discovering nowadays about light, about time, about uh, so they are discovering, or at least we're hinting at, think we might be discovering about that reality. 
they all tend to kind of come around the biblical narrative and explain, hey, this is not unreasonable at all. It looks like this yeah. could have been something. You, you know, it's yeah. fascinating to me since you brought up uh, science and that mm-hmm. kind of thing and the physicists that are renowned. Mm-hmm. That sounds like first they had a couple of verbs, they had a noun, then <laughs> they, they got renowned. another noun. They renowned them. Yeah. Well, they're 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 famous. Sure. That's for for. I know you're great with Hebrew, but maybe the English language escapes you a bit. It, it could. It could. <laughs> By the way, do you have a basketball? <laughs> no, but um, should we go and? Well, you before go. you go, I just want to say one thing. Okay. Uh, I want to say that actually there is some much similarities between science and the Bible, because uh, hold on, everybody, hold on. There is, the Bible does teach evolution. It does. Because, and it's almost what science says. They say we crawled out of the water, etc., etc. What does the Bible start off with? Water. And what? then it keeps going through this chain of evolution. Now, it does say that God created each step. But it starts off exactly what science says. Well, it came from the water and the amoeba and all that kind of stuff. So... What it does is both of them do that, but the difference is that for uh, the science, the secular world, they say it's all just spontaneous, luck, chance, that kind of thing. Yes. I happened to bump into another amoeba that had uh, another ability to breed with me. But the difference is in the Bible, it says God created. So the source of creation, the prime mover, you might say, Mm -hmm. is the difference. That is the difference. And I think... This element of time, again, because uh, one of the things about the the biblical narrative is that on the first day, God created, on the next day, and the whole idea of what is that yom, what does that mean, that day, that idea of, uh, and I know there are certain physicists I've listened to and talked about that time was very different in, at that sure. at that time. Right. <laughs> uh, you remember the, uh, there's a physicist online uh, that talks about th- this idea of Day and how that time, as the universe expanded, time actually was different. I I cannot. I'm incapable of expressing as well as he did of the idea of time. Do you know what I'm, who I'm talking about? I don't. He, know. he lectures. Is he still I'm, alive? I, I, well, that I can't tell. You're not but talking I, about Carl Sagan, are you? No, no. I'm talking about a, it's a Jewish uh, uh, physicist. I've seen him give lectures on, on the internet from from uh, live lectures from like Israel. I think so I on. do know who you're talking about, and uh, yeah, and he's actually a rabbi. Besides, being yeah, a exactly, yeah, yeah and, and some just um, and incredible ideas. I don't. I hate to use the word incredible. I've been unbelievable, incredible. I don't like to use it because that means it's incredible. You, you can't believe. But his ideas are not incredible. They are very credible. They're right. very uh, make sense, and they might and they might possibly explain better than anyone what what we see in these opening passages mm-hmm. of the book of Genesis. So, okay. but it's just a remarkable, amazing presentation from kind of that scientific scientific perspective about uh, about the idea of time as it relates to the scriptures. There, let's jump in sure, here quickly. Sure. Uh, if you'd like to call any any time during the next ninety minutes, well, now it's about eighty minutes. Uh, we'd invite your calls to be a part with us as we consider and talk about tonight uh, the book of Genesis. That's we're starting at the beginning again, our way through the scriptures. Uh, we just finished up uh, last week. We talked about the book of Revelation, those closing chapters on uh, the closing book of the New Testament. And uh, we've made our way through once more. So today we start again at the beginning and the, at the beginning. And we start with Genesis chapters one through 21. And so if you have a thought about any of this, we'd love to hear from you. Be a part of the program with us. Let's go and visit. 
If I can get it up here quickly, let's go and visit with Bob, who's calling in with some thoughts about the creation event. And particularly, I think, Bob, you're intrigued by the idea of uh, what was his, his question? The time, time. The, the element of time in the creation event. Thank you for joining us, Bob. Good to hear from you. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Uh, I, uh, when uh, Jacob brought up that uh, uh, those opening words and, and said in beginning, and uh, and I know, uh, Soapy, you're a mathematician yourself, right. and the higher you go in math, you oh, you automatically become a physicist. I've actually become, Bob, more of a, an arithmetician. <laughs> I think I'm okay. better at arithmetic than physics now. It's been a lot of years, uh-huh. but that was my field of study, yes. Uh, and uh, I was on a, a website, Habad.org, and the gentleman uh, teacher came on, and he explained that uh, I'm going to illustrate it with uh, my nephew, my niece. I, I went to the petting zoo. At, at the Stock Show Rodeo, in about, I think it was about 2006, and she was about 18 months old, uh-huh. and she went in the petting zoo, and she was very excited, but, you know, the lambs were bigger than she was, and they uh-huh. she really couldn't deal with them, but she went over to a chicken, and uh, the chicken was almost about her size, really, maybe a little bit smaller, and she curled her fingers backwards, and she tried to very gently pet this chicken's uh, tail feathers, but she really, she was so gentle that she actually missed it by about a half an inch or an inch, but she tried to just stroke the tail feathers very, very, very gently, uh-huh. and then the chicken kind of worked away from her, but uh, I, uh, the, the man at Chabad.org, what he was teaching is uh, the Heavenly Father, uh, God, he uh, had to, to make creation, he actually had to hold himself back, because he's pure light, and um, in, in holding himself back, he set the speed limit of light. And when I was a young man, I used to think, wow, 186,000 miles a second is so fast. Because I, I used to watch the, the, the Bonneville assault flats. Yes. They, would have them on, uh, they would have them on the weekend, sure. and they would try and break the speed record with these jet cars. And they'd, they'd maybe even think, well, maybe one day we can, we can break the sound barrier with a car. I don't think they ever did. But I, I was very fascinated by it. I was fascinated by the space program. I would build all these space models, and I would be very intrigued by the speed that they would sure. achieve. Sure. And, and I used to think, wow, 186,000 miles a second, that's so fast. <laughs> but l- later, as I got to be an old man, I realized that's slow. And it's a, slow, it's a slowing down. And the, the, um, the Heavenly Father, he's holding himself back in order to make... Um, the uh, creation, and he, and when he set the speed limit on light, he created time. So um, this is what the, the man on Chabad.org taught, or what I extrapolated from his talk. Uh-huh. And I find it very, I find it very interesting uh, from a physics standpoint. Just as an amateur, uh, kind of like you guys, uh, you know, at, in the, at the, on the, the the heavy science level, where we're, uh, the three of us are amateurs, and probably exactly. the, most of the listeners. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I find the concepts very interesting. I read some of Hawking, and he, he tries to kind of come down to our level and summarize the the points uh, of physics. But uh, I, I find that very intriguing. Uh, the, the 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 speed limit on on light uh, created as being the creation of time and then the arc 
uh, the covenant, uh, you have the two poles where um, the poles come out the front and uh, out the back. And uh, the arc represents uh, this, uh, period, this period in which we have time. And those poles... Hang on, Bob. Hang on. I just want to clarify yeah. that you said the, the the handles of the ark come out the front side and the back. We're talking there about the uh, Holy yeah. of Holies or in the temple, yeah. you know, in, either in the tabernacle or the Holy Old, but the poles that were meant for carrying yeah. extended out, yeah. out of the Holy of Holies. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just Yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, the rabbis have, have noted that it can be a representation of the, the ark itself. Is That's the period of time that there is time and then out the back and out the front that's before the world was and after the after after the world and in eternity and it, it can be a representation of that sure. uh, in a in a linear in a linear sense right um, but uh Anyway, I just uh, wanted to throw in my two cents, and, and uh, when 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 uh, Jacob said in beginning, and, and you guys start talking about that, I just I just really sure. It, but I also saw a video today where um, uh, the, the, this man was cha- challenging someone to a duel. It's it, I watch opera sometimes, uh-huh. and they were uh, this this man challenged the other to a duel, and he they hug each other, and he reached around and he bit the ear. And you, you might remember uh, Mike Tyson bit the ear off of one of his yeah. opponents in the boxing ring. I remember that. And then there's a, uh, there's another incident um, um, uh, of people biting an ear. Uh, Johnny Cash had a song where someone bit an ear. And uh, <laughs> I'm but, wondering where uh, you're going with this, uh, Bob. I'm well, well, I'll tell you where I'm going with it. All right. I'll tell you where I'm going with it. The evolution idea, I feel like it's kind of like when... when uh, uh, Esau met Jacob, and some of the rabbis feel like, well, he, he bit him or he wanted to bite him, but he kissed him because of the, the markings in the Torah. And uh, But the, the, the special markings, the yachts and the tittles above the letters in the Torah. But uh, I feel like when I read an editorial in the San Antonio paper that says we're just a bunch of dummies who, who don't believe in evolution as, as taught, uh, you know, in the Darwin model and the, the way the Darwin model has it, itself evolved, I feel like they're biting me in my ear. I, I feel I feel under attack. <laughs> I feel insulted, and I feel like it's a duel uh, because in the in the in the opera it, it set off the duel. Right. Um, exactly. And, and I, I and I, I feel I kind of feel like it's Esau and Jacob when I read when it's me. And, and the San Antonio paper writing some editorial about how stupid I am. <laughs> well, watch your ears there, Bob. I think that's a very good illustration. But again, you know what they say about ahead, time and, and tying into what he said in one. I know what Kermit the Frog says about uh, time. Well, what's he say? Time's fun when you're having flies. Uh, that's cute. Uh, I was okay. going to say, well, in one era and out the other. In one era and out the other. Exactly. But I think Bob has a great idea there, the thought. And I, I think it's one of the more promising avenues of thought for us in the, the, from the physics point of view. Because, again, as I say, uh, what we're discovering now is the bankruptcy, even scientifically, the bankruptcy of the... Uh, the godless evolution, the secular evolutionary thought, uh, in not, and not only philosophically, which I also want to address, what are the philosophical uh, implications of these two representations of how we came to exist today? What Are you really able to live with godless atheism, godless uh, secu- secular 
um, evolution. If you think about it, folks, it has some incredibly powerful implications that I don't think most of us are ready to live on that basis. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But now we're just kind of looking scientifically. I think it... Uh, a lot of physics is coming around to the idea that we don't understand time and light and these things. And I, I think the idea that Bob has presented there, and thank you, Bob, for sure, for calling in, uh, that the, the idea that he's mentioning there, that uh, that time and light and so on, all of that is very, I, I think even C.S. Lewis, which is really now old news, uh, 50 to 75 years ago, great thinker, uh, a British uh, philosopher and uh, professor, uh, he, he talked about the idea that our existence, that, that he, he interprets it as move, that God moves, and, you know, the idea is that he moved at the speed of light, at the speed of existence, and that, that but he created us at, at, a, at a lower, slower uh, frequencies, of, of reality, like you know, we hear we hear music, we hear sound only when there's within a certain band or, or um, frequency width uh, width of the frequency, the waves, and in the same way that we hear, and there are sounds that go on that we don't hear because they're outside of our bounds. In but the same thing, we live in a sphere of of light and of experience and things happening that we perceive, but they're there are there is an existence greater uh, perhaps even slower than ours other dimensions and real realities that that idea cs lewis presents that even in, this was many many decades ago now in some of his uh, science fiction uh, uh writings his books but but now even philosophy uh, uh, i'm sorry physicists and others are are coming along to begin to think of time as, in that way, bendable, changeable, their different uh, frequencies and so on. And it seems to, it makes some sense. That's one of the things that this uh, Jewish theologian and physicist, uh, this rabbi and physicist presents uh, on the um, on the Internet. You could tune in. I'll try to think of the uh, name and that sort of thing, but uh, Dr. Such and Such. But, it, but you might just want to Google Jewish physicist speaks about about creation uh, maybe you, as you recommended by Sophie Dow. there you go yeah uh, Jacob uh, anything uh, uh, let, let's well, get let's, into this yeah, a little let's, bit uh, let's let's just start off with a I would like to start off with a couple of uh, sentences in the beginning of Genesis okay good all right so it says in the beginning and I'll tell I, I told you there was a guy on a plane and he uh, and he was flying he's an older guy and uh, these three missionaries were on the first trip and they saw rookies, him. rookies, yeah, sure, R- rookie missionaries, hey. sure. So anyway, uh, so they said to him, "Hey, you know, we're missionaries on our first trip, and we would like to talk to you about the Bible." And he said, "Oh, I live for nothing else." And uh, and they said, "Okay, well, we want to tell you all about the Bible, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He said, "Oh, be, okay, but before we start, I have one question I need to ask you." And they said, "Sure, what is it?" And he said, "Where is God?" And they said, "Well, he's in heaven." And he said, well, what are you going to teach me about the Bible if you don't even know what the first sentence in Genesis says? The first sentence you didn't get right. So why should I listen to you about anything else? Now, the first sentence in Genesis actually is okay. in, a, in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth. So God was someplace else. He was not in the heaven or, or the earth. He was someplace else. 
outside of outside heaven and earth uh huh now i know we refer to it as maybe just the sky mm-hmm. well god's not in the sky so no. and so the point is, is that he's out and the ancient jewish understanding is the heavens and the earth exactly what it says in line 1 was created by him he's outside of the of the created uh-huh. That's Whether right. it's galaxy or universe, right. any, he's outside of that. Yeah. yeah, another dimension, okay. different thing. So he's not there, but it says so. He, as he said, the gentleman said to the three missionaries, he said, "Well, if you got the first line wrong, what is it you're going to teach me?" <laughs> and so had to be a Jew. It had to be a rabbi. I think uh, I'm guessing. Well, he might have been Episcopal. That sounds know. that sounds very Jewish, like a very Jewish sort of a. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Shot in the dark sort of thing. But go go ahead. Build on that. And then it says something. Now, music is going to come up in just a minute, so watch out for that. Music is going to come up? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a few, couple of minutes, but go ahead and finish the talk. Well, anyway, so then it says, actually it says in verse 3, God said, let there be light. Now, that's very interesting because the heaven and the earth doesn't get created until after that. So the first thing he says is, let there be light. Mm. Now, light was created before because the moon and the sun, the great luminaries, mm-hmm. are not until verse 14. The, the third day, is that right? Uh, well, well maybe. Verse 14, third day, I think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So he said, the light was good. Light, good. <laughs> and, <laughs> Speaking a little mm, Apache language. Yeah, yeah. A, light, good. So, mm. Uh, the point is, is that this light could not have been the sun and the moon. In fact, the sun and the moon aren't talked about till verse 14. So here's an interesting idea. What he was creating was something spiritual. So the spiritual idea was born before the heaven and the earth. Uh, in fact, it says, in the, it says God, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. Didn't say the darkness was good. And God separated between the light and the darkness. He called the uh, light day and the darkness he called night. And that was day one. And he declared it to be good. He did. He said light's good. Tell me about day two real quickly. Uh, Day two is the only day in the Bible where God does not say it's good. Interesting, right? And that's where the ancient writers and sages and everybody used to think, well, that would be where, let's call it evil, was created. So you have free will. How about that? So because it doesn't say it was good. But at the end of the seven days, or six days, he says, uh, they're all good. But why is it all good? Because he gives you your free will created on the second day. Well, that second day is the only one he doesn't declare to be good in that moment. And, folks, what day was that? Just by any chance, do you know what day of the six days of creation did God not declare to be good? (laughs) The answer is just a little bit um, interesting and funny for us uh, this day. What day do we dread most in the uh, day of the week do we dread the most nowadays? Don't go away. We'll be right back. 340-9585. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. What does it take to be a true follower of Jesus? The effective Christians throughout all history have been men and women of great personal courage and discipline. Billy Graham. There must be mental discipline. We must also discipline our emotions and our instincts. Anger, greed, ambition, pride, sex, and many others. That can be hard to impossible to do on your own. But the Bible says if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he'll take control and change your heart. When Christ comes into the heart, he does not destroy these impulses and leave us as lumps of pious putty. He takes the things within us and transforms them into powers of majestic holiness and usefulness. This is why we so desperately need the control of Christ and Christian self-discipline. We'd love to tell you more about the power of Jesus Christ at findpeacewithgod.net from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We pray victory over every family. We pray, God, that you would give them an understanding and a peace. And this evening, Lord, thank you that we can come together as one in Christ, lifting each other up, knowing that, Lord, you're going to answer prayer. You're going to help people. You're going to mend those hearts, Lord God, because you are the one that we seek and ask for. Send your prayers to our wall of prayer at am630theword.com. Keyword prayer. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Help me see. That everything I am is not all about me. Take my Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back thanking you as always for joining us as on this first day of a new biblical year. I, you know, you always talk about the Jewish calendar, Jacob, with this in the Bible Live calendar. This is our, 
our new year. We're starting here uh, in the first part of November. We always begin at the book of Genesis, and we make our way through the entire Bible through the year. And uh, and uh, well, you've been, you and I have been doing it together now for three or four years. Oh, well, okay. Is that right? Uh, I see no reason to decline from your truth. Oh. <laughs> you just don't remember, do you? You don't remember how long it's so, been. So what year is this? What year is this? Well, 2017, according to Soapy Dollar's calendar, uh, but uh-huh. the Jewish calendar says it's, it's 3,000. It starts counting from Adam okay. because until all things are finished, being created, mm-hmm. the job is not done. True. So okay. when Adam was created, that's when the creation had been completed. And if you count forward from Adam doing the adding and the subtracting, anybody can do it. But Based on the uh, genealogies? And stuff. Uh-huh. I have a gift for you down in the car. Oh, my lens. I'm gonna ha- First break we get. Next break, I'm going to run down and get it. Oh, well, let's just wait till we Oh, go. no, you can't wait. Uh-huh. You're going to love it. Okay. Best well, gift I ever rate, gave you. Uh, go ahead. The question, <laughs> it's, if you count forward to right now, it's 5,779 <sighs> since creation. So that and give know. or take a day or two, right? Or, or is that exact? Uh, no, no, that's, that's pretty pretty, pretty exact. Okay. All right, all right. If there's nothing else, they they do math pretty good. All right. Uh, but, but I did want to go back. Real arithmetic, quick. really. I, yes. I just want to get back real quick. In verse seven, this uh-huh. is after there's light. Okay. In verse seven, uh, so as, uh, he makes, uh, he makes it says he makes the firmament or the earth. So now we've got this. Now the earth is being made. Now what day is this? Well, this is going to be. You said day, You said verse 7, but. Uh, well, it's in the second day. Okay. okay. But he doesn't say it was good. So then he comes on. But the earth is being made now. But light was in the first day. So the, it couldn't be sun and moon that he made because there's no earth. So now he gave light. Let's suggest that that's a spiritual idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's say that... Like the, talking about good and evil, right and wrong, mm, maybe? Uh, I'm talking more that you'd be familiar with, like, the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's given that kind of thing. So he created that first, and then he starts creating the earth. Now, I, when and remember what we just read. It says he created the light. He said light's good. Didn't say it was going to shine on the earth. Then after that, he creates it. Now, listen to this. This is what it says in verse 14. It says, um, And God said, Let there be two great luminaries in the firmament of the heaven and separate between the day and the night. Now we're getting the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. And it'll be signs and festivals. That's what the days and things are for. And the, uh, the two great luminaries will be in the firmament. Of the heaven, and listen to the last words, to shine upon the earth. He's clearly saying this light he created was not for the earth. It's something spiritual. And so when after. But the sun and the moon, the light from those are intended yes, to shine on after, the earth. Then he creates the earth. Hmm. Then he creates the sun and the moon. And he actually finishes this, which is not when he created the light in the first part. He says to shine upon the earth. Right. So, everything physical has got some, let's say, spiritual component. In fact, uh, I believe, uh, I'm reluctant to say over on your side. Are you saying spiritual component or or, uh, some spiritual, in other words, everything physical points us to some spiritual reality? Is that what you're saying? Well, in the book of Hebrew in the New Testament, Uh in the Christian scriptures, 
it says something like, the ark on earth is a model of what's in heaven. Okay? Yes, yes. All right. And several times in Exodus, uh, Moses has shown something to build. Right. And so there's something already on the other side. In fact, I go so far to, as to try to explain it. The land of Israel was supposed to be a physical representation of heaven. All right. Now, uh, so actually, and, and we're told in in, Revel, in the book of the Revelation, which we just read about right. the the new heavens and new earth. We're talking about the new Jerusalem comes down. There's there's this spiritual as a matter expression of, fact, of these all earthly the, the ortho, things that we see. Especially among the Orthodox Jews, they absolutely have that same thing that you're finding in Revelation mm-hmm. that there will be a new Jerusalem. But John was a Jew, you know. We do know that, uh-huh. right? <laughs> That's what you try to help us remember all the time, and well, we have to have that in mind. What's fascinating is, so we got this light created, though. So it's clearly not for the earth. Then we make the then we make the earth, and then when the two great luminaries, the sun and the moon, are created, then that is the shine upon the earth. All right. Now I will tell you, there's a word. Doesn't make. Don't worry about the word because it's not time for Hebrew. But there's a word in those passages where when it refers to the second light to rule the night, uh, there is a word that's messing a Hebrew letter from the right there. Yeah. And uh, scholars feel that that was written that way on purpose, intentionally. Why? Because if it's not hasn't got that letter, it's messing something, right? Yes. They interpreted that forever and ever. To mean that the moon is defective, their word. The moon or the moon? No, actually the moon. Okay. The moon was what I ate my cereal with. That's what I thought you were talking about the land of the Smurfs, yeah. you know, the moon. I, I, I can uh, see that being an obvious thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was, you but, got down to my, my thinking level but there. The point obviously. is, so if the second light is defective, they, and that's their wo- choice of words. So what they're saying is, it's defective in what way? Because it doesn't make light, it only reflects light. And they had from the very beginning in chapter 1 of Genesis. Hmm. Now, isn't that remarkable? That is remarkable. That is, it's fascinating. There are a lot of things like that. And, folks, we invite you to join our conversation tonight. If you have some thoughts, this is this is a, something that is a very live uh, thought and understanding of our times. Uh, as believers, as uh, uh, followers uh, uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, as Christian believers, as Jewish believers uh, uh, that worship God and the Creator and so on, we we don't often get here. We think beyond these thoughts, and we, in other words, we we accept that we're here because this looks like it by design and and so on. And we'll talk about this in just a bit about what 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 these different creation scenarios mean. What are their implications for us? But we kind of accept that, and we don't easily or readily go back to these kinds of conversations because uh, we've been coward. You know, we've been told, we are, you're not an expert, you're not a physicist, you're not. Well, we are all thinkers. We are all philosophers. We are all wondering what's going on and how did this world come to be. Don't put down your thought process and, and say, oh, I'm not, a, I'm not qualified to have an opinion just because we we somehow somebody with a PhD or behind their name or something that doesn't make them I, I'm I'm telling you the truth folks this is not uh, I have no bias and, and and I love scholarship and I love people who study hard but that doesn't make them any more right or wrong when we talk about these questions uh, 
so far there's no there is no i don't mean i don't care if it's hawking or hawkins or any of them there's nothing they've discovered that brings absolute knowledge that oh this is totally and exactly the do way you, it happened Sophie, do you For know sure. the story about the guy that invented the computer as big as the united states no yes he made one as big as the united states and he said what is life and the computer said not enough information so he made it as big as the united states and australia and he asked what's life the computer says not enough information made it as big as the world and i asked and then said not enough information then he made a computer as big as the whole universe and he said uh, what is life and and just before the computer answered the man looked up at god and said hey i can do anything you can do and god said is that right let me see you and so the man grabbed a handful of dirt and God said, uh-uh-uh, ah, 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 get your own dirt. <laughs> okay. I just snorted into the microphone. <laughs> that, that's good, Jacob. I, I like it. Uh, but anyway, well, going back, all seriousness aside here, the, these these perspectives, this is something on, it's in the newspaper, it's in the talk, it's, we're, we're, we run into it continually in the, in the ministry. We, we're and, running a new generation of young people who, who are, Affected by you all of this I information. I find that people that say this, and like it brings up what Bob was talking mm-hmm, about in mm-hmm. the newspaper and other people, even if, even if we, uh, not, the religion is left out of this. One of the things that troubles me is the lack of literacy, the black and white of what it says. Like when I was talking about in chapter 1, verse 1, it mm-hmm. says he created heaven and earth. That's what it says. And then there's another spot over here in chapter 2. Uh, he had this man that he created. And by the way, Adam does not mean man in Hebrew. It means human beings. Okay. And so the word for man in Hebrew is ish. That's why you have Jew-ish. Uh, so, and then when the Spirit of God, his breath, because in Hebrew, the same word of breath and spirit is the same exact word in the consonants without the vowels. Because mm-hmm. the Hebrew doesn't use vowels mm-hmm. generally. So, and here it is. In, the, in verse 7 it says, And God formed the man of dust in the ground, and he blew in his nostrils. Is that roach? No, this roach. is... Well, actually, the, it uses three different words in Genesis. Uh-huh. One is uh, uh, roach. One is uh, nephish. Now, the souls of the animal, and don't worry about the words, but okay. uh, the truth is they translate all three of them like nephesh is actually soul for an animal. So ruach is, is a, a soul for a human being. But when you put the nephesh, animal, and you put the ruach together, you get another word that appears right here. It's called neshama. Neshama and neshima, same word in Hebrew, is actually what, um, what he did. He blew his breath into the man. That's when the animal became something different than the other animals. It now had a piece of the Spirit of God, a very similar idea to what Christians say. When you accept Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Exactly the same concept, but the Jews say it happened Mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. So, it is indeed uh, the very same concept, perhaps the timing Going back mm-hmm. time may be a little considered different. But, so but it, the concept is there. It's not a totally new concept even to Jewish thinking. No, and when it says formed in, in, in English, you can do this in Hebrew, but you cannot do it in English. The word in Hebrew is, again, misspelled. 
and it has something inside What's of it. What's wrong them. with you guys? Can't you spell things? Well, we expected uh, to be corrected by <laughs> okay, you guys. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> so, but the word formed is actually two formings. Mm-hmm. I can write it in English like this. I can say forming dash forming. But if, it, well, if I did it in English exactly the way it is in Hebrew, it would be like this. F-F-O-O-R-R-M-M-E-E-D-D. Word in a word. So God was making two formings there. Actually, so when it says in verse 7, he formed a man of dust and he blew it. So he's, he's doing two formings, but the Hebrew word actually means two formings. And so that's fascinating. But wow. I, have a, I have a question for you. I know we got Harold, but before we get to Harold, you can mm-hmm. mu- mm-hmm. munch this over real quick. Okay. Why Chew did, on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was trying to dress it up a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, here is a question. We all know in Genesis the snake was talking to Eve. And he says something about, hey, did God say you're really going to die? And mm. Eve says. Did God really say that? Yeah, that's the idea. Sure. That and she says. The deceiver, the, the one who you know, sure. questions things about God and what God told them, yes. And. Um, and the woman, actually, from the version I'm reading from, I'm reading from the Hebrew translation. Uh-huh, sure. Did perhaps God say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, now listen closely, mm-hmm. of the fruit of any tree in the garden we may eat. Of the fruit of the tree that's in the center of the garden, we, sh- we shall neither eat nor touch it. Now, nor I mean, touch it, yeah. yeah she had something God didn't say about touch it. Mm-hmm. But why does that woman, her name's Eve, why does she say we? God, uh, we, we, God told us is the idea? Or yeah, what? it says we, we cannot eat. Uh-huh. Well, why does she say that? And the reason you ask that, I'm guessing, is because God told Adam that he couldn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that particular tree, whatever it is, that fruit. He could eat of any tree in the garden, but not that one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it was before Eve was created, right? Or exactly so. It, it, so back we, at least in chapter as we understand two it. is when God talks to Adam and says, you can't eat of the tree. Mm-hmm. Then after he gives that instruction, he said, in fact, that's in chapter 2, verse 16. And God said, of every tree of the garden you may eat, but that tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's 2, 16. Mm-hmm. In chapter 3, Eve is having this conversation with the serpent. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas just quickly that I've well, heard. One, one last thing. Let me give sure, us a, a, timing, uh-huh. a timing. So, But until verse 21, Eve is not created back in chapter 2. So in 2, 21, Eve gets created after she's created. I remember the instruction was to Adam. Mm-hmm. And then she's created. That's the sequence. Right. Then when the serpent's talking to her, she says, we we're is told it, not to do. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Now, how is it we? So you're on stage now. So. Okay. The uh, one understanding is that uh, Adam told Eve, and so she, in a natural way, includes him. We were told uh, because Adam told her that, and she includes him as uh, as part of the sentence, which wouldn't be totally unreasonable or unnatural for for him to have that. The second is that we 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 Monsieur. Uh, not speaking French here. Let me think. What was the other idea? One is that Adam was responsible for telling you, and maybe that's why she got it wrong. We're not to eat of that fruit nor touch it. Maybe Adam didn't. Maybe Adam went overboard and telling warning her and said, "No, don't even touch that." You know, uh, 
Uh, who knows? Maybe I, I guess it's reasonable. Can, to can think. we agree that what you're saying is a reasonable explanation? I hope. I don't know. Uh, that's, it's I've a reasonable it. explanation. I've heard However, it. if we limit ourselves to the black and white of the mm-hmm. black print on the white mm-hmm. page, it doesn't say he told her. But right. But what you're saying is a reasonable explanation. It would be reasonable that he would tell her and talk to her wow. about that. I, I hear that. And, and, and sure. I've heard that from the pulpit at times. Uh, the, there is another thought about it. Why? Uh, uh, oh, the other thought was that uh, the cr- first creation event is in chapters one and two, and then in chapter three, it's a retelling of the of the creation narrative, but with more detail. That that it's a second telling of the uh, of the creation story. But well, it, I I tried to give a little hint when I said I don't know Adam does not mean man. Uh huh. Adam means human beings. Okay. Yeah, I got that. Okay. And I think there's something about another third understanding. Uh, the, the, just to explain that second thought was that so that the starting at Chapter 3, you have a second more detailed presentation of the creation event, but it's around the idea of, of the human being, uh, focusing more on the human being and his uh, the idea of the tree of the knowledge of good Did and evil Adam and, and so on. Huh? Did you call Adam a moron just now? <laughs> Not intentionally, but I may have. But, but that's the idea. But but then I think the you're that. talking about perhaps uh, there's a, another thought. Uh, uh, there is the idea that in the initial creation that Adam and Eve, the male and the female, the masculine female, were united into one being yes. because we'd see the creation of Eve was not an actual creation event out of dust of the earth like Adam was, but he's taken from the side of Adam. He comes, so there is evidently a separating that goes place. Well, we know takes this place in the English version it says. Would that be the we? Maybe. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Maybe they were united. Sure. It, well, I, the Hebrew understanding, the Jewish understanding is mm-hmm. that Adam and Eve were created simultaneously, because uh, certainly I know in English it says took a rib out. It really means more took a, took her out of the side from his side. Uh-huh. So he didn't recreate; he just separated. You mm-hmm. might say. Now listen to this. Now Adam, of course, means human being. Okay. So I wasn't too far off. No, no, you were shot in the dark. But well, you know, that's yeah. and uh, if you were using a shotgun, so you got whoever's in the dark. You got them. <laughs> all right. But listen to the summary, uh-huh. chapter five of uh, Genesis, and this is the account of the descendants of Adam. On the day created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Number two, he created them, male and female, blessed them, and called their name Adam. Wow. Yeah, so see, I know that the understanding is that woman was created second. That's not the Jewish understanding, that they were created at the same time. He just separated them. That would be the explanation of why Eve could say, uh, We. We were told that. Now, that's wow. how the black and white is what it says. Yeah, sure. But the other explanations you offer are reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in- very, very interesting. That uh, Wow, that is very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's I not earth-shattering. It doesn't change our theology well, or anything, well. but it's a very interesting perspective. It does get about, women off the hook a little bit. Uh, uh, good. I, I think women like yeah, getting y- off the hook. Yeah. 
I suspect. <laughs> now, if you just get us off the hook, the other men, that, we, we'd like that as well. Well, that's what, that's what the Savior, that's what Messiah did for all of us. He got us all off the hook by coming and redeeming us. Uh, we are already once gods now by creation. We belong to him. Uh, we owe him gratitude and admiration and worship and thanksgiving for life. And now we are twice his through redemption, uh, that he has purchased us back from sin and darkness and uh, death to life and light. So uh, that's that's the message that's going to continue on, reverberate on through the scriptures now. We're talking about the book of Genesis, the early chapters. We're talking about the uh, creation event. We're talking about the different ideas about how we came to exist today uh, ourselves. And we're going to continue that conversation and look a little bit more as we move forward now in the program about philosophically what are the implications of the different views of our existence, how we came to be, who we are, and so on, in light of the growing, uh, they say, a growing movement of agnosticism, you know, that unsure and, and atheism. Uh, we want to talk about uh, this creation event from that perspective and talk a little bit about what are the implications of those different views. Now, I want to go quickly before our yeah. time runs out in this first segment. Let's run and talk to Harold online. We have about three or four minutes. Harold, can you share with us? Harold, are you there with us? I hope you're there. We hadn't waited too long to talk to. Is Harold there? Did I did I hit the right button, Harold? Are you on there with us? Uh oh, I think we lost someone there. I'm sorry about that. I lost Harold here off the line, but we'll come back and take his call if Harold. We don't know what happened, but we evidently lost you. So if you'd be kind enough to call back, we'll take you right away. I just heard the phone click as I potted him up there. I do want to. We're going to move into that question. This uh, coming, this last segment about what are the implications of the creation event, uh, both uh, both God's creating the world and the biblical narrative that that God that we're told in the scriptures, uh, how the things proceeded from creation on through the book of Genesis, and we'll do a little bit of outlining there. Everything that we hear of, even the gospel and even the the, the role of Jesus, the sending of Messiah, Redeemer, all of that is spoken of right there in the book of Genesis. Uh, the, it, we start out with the the clear purpose for which God has created the human race, uh, and then that we start the process of our existence, why we were placed in the sphere of time and, and space, why we live uh, in this world where it's a relatively closed system, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Which one bothers <laughs> you the most? The good things happen to bad people. That bothers me. I, I just say, oh, Lord, why? You know, like the psalmist at times, well, how long, oh, Lord? We have to watch your enemies prosper and be blessed. But, but there's always the chance that they so repent. So, Harold, getting disconnected was a bad thing to a good Happening person. Happening to a good person. So, Harold, you've been declared good. <laughs> so, Harold, call back in. We apologize. We don't know what happened. <laughs> That's right. So, we'll talk about those things in, <coughs> in light of what has happened. <coughs> to our friends and neighbors down in Sutherland Springs, our hearts, our prayers are, uh, are with you. And, and we do not minimize at all those prayers. There's a lot of things on the Internet this week about, well, here we are, a, a people of believers. They're in the church. They're praying. And still they get uh, a murderer comes in and a criminal and he, and he kills them. And so what good is prayer? And, you know, well, you know, there's, that's an intriguing line of thought. 
uh, but remember God's perspective is very different from ours. It doesn't mean we, we can pray, and I do pray uh, right now, Father. I pray for our friends and neighbors down in Sutherland Springs. I pray for every family that lost a loved one and a friend and a neighbor. I pray comfort to their hearts, O oh God, that you would come in close to them, draw them to yourself, and help them to experience your peace. I know that you, Lord Jesus, you even wept at the tomb of your good friend Lazarus. Uh, even though you knew uh, the reality of life and you knew that uh, we go to be with you forever and that you and that you were going to raise him from the dead anyway. You, you knew that, but you you sympathized and empathized with the grief and, and the loss that people were feeling and sensing uh, at the loss of your friend Lazarus and uh, Martha and Mary. Lord, so I know that you're sensitive to and you understand our loss. You understand our weakness and our frailty. And we pray, Lord, that you'd bring comfort uh, with the truth that you are there and that those uh, in Christ and, and so many of these men, they were in church. They're your, they're your people, we believe. So many of them, they knew you, loved you, were trying to follow you. Uh, like like each of us, and Lord, we, we believe that you've drawn them into yourself, into your presence. Uh, and uh, so we believe that. Bring comfort to our friends and neighbors there, Lord, and help bring wholeness and and draw, use this event even, well, beyond our comprehension, use it in a way to draw other men and women to yourself, to draw your people closer to you, nearer to God we will be, and to also to draw others outside the faith, those who would yet to know you. Pray that they would see such a difference in the way we receive uh, this, uh, these difficulties and trials and tribulations of life. We walk through them with faith and with victory. Uh, and, and, and even, Lord, even as James points out, even with joy in the midst of our, of our difficulties and our struggles, Lord, because we know you are there for us. So I pray for our men and women. We thank you for uh, the chance we have here on the air. We ask all of you to join with us in prayer. Our governor of our state has encouraged us to pray today, particularly for the men and women of Sutherland Springs and that community. So I hope you will take the moment to Lift up a prayer for them as well. We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't you dare go away. 340-9585. Give us a call. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we do come on bended knee, Lord. We are in prayer for our friends and neighbors down in Sutherland Springs and and all across our land, all across our nation. There's this there's this uh, lunacy set forth. They're set free. We're we all know it and recognize it. There's something wrong. There's something going on. And why is this allowed? And why is this happening? And uh, Oh, you know, the terrorism and this and the killings and that and so on. And there's there's something let loose in our society. It doesn't mean that there never were murders before, that there never were even mass murders before. But what we're seeing, it seems, it, it, is it just that it's more reported now and it wasn't before? I don't think so. I think there's been a, a fundamental shifting of our, of our sense of right and wrong and our ethic of our, our morality uh, based on our faith, our 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 common uh, the, the the belief system that we as a country that that uh, the the consensus the spiritual consensus and beliefs of, of a nation 
uh, has changed, has moved from God-centered and worshiping God and honoring God, respecting God at least. Not that every person has ever been a believer, but that fundamental belief in the true and living God, the God of the Scripture, of the morality and so on. <laughs> that seems to have shifted, and there seems to be we're reaping the consequence. What is that? Was it Amos uh, that talked about uh, we've sowed the wind and we're reaping the whirlwind? Is that Amos, or is, I forget which yes, of the prophets that yeah, is? Yeah, so sow the wind and you'll reap, reap the whirlwind. The whirlwind, yes, and we're reaping the consequences. I think. Well, let's take a, uh, let's look a bit this uh, last segment. We, we promised Harold, Harold we were going to do that, but during this thirty sec this segment, we're going to move from our thoughts about the physical creation event. We're going to talk about the compare at least philosophically. What are the implications of a a godless uh, secular atheism and evolution that we just happen to be here and so on, a, a, as opposed to the biblical narrative. But let's do go. I agree with you, Jacob. Let's go and catch our friend Harold and bring him up. Harold, how are you tonight? Good to hear from you. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for taking me back. I got, I got disconnected somehow. Wasn't your fault. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Right. My my truck's having some troubles, too. It might be connected some way. Well, uh, I don't know if I can handle all that atheist stuff, but uh, and what they care about. Um, I got some a little bit funny, uh, and then I'll get some serious if you don't mind. Um, my my son had just met this uh, young girl about his age at UTSA, and they went on a date in a movie and stuff. And apparently, it came up. Uh, so, what does your dad do? Oh. Not in a negative way, but kind of. Oh, he's into religion, and he talks. He calls this radio show, and we got this uh, Julie. Oh, I love talking about religion, and and the Jews too. Oh, yes, I want to learn all these things. I love studying all, all this religion stuff. And Harold was like, "Who am I out with? My dad or my girlfriend?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I that just happened last night, and I was kind of touched by it. Yeah, she's. I haven't met her, but a picture. She's just the sweetest little thing, and um, and I, you know, the the fathers always try to oh, you know pick it. their daughter-in-laws, exactly you know, you right? But I, I won't say anything right now. But uh, you know, because she's in the other room, thank God. But and you, uh, you mentioned the church a little bit. Okay, that uh, uh, church uh, there in the south part of town, and I, I'll just use myself. As an example, you know, I've been hearing a lot of preachers on the radio and this station, you know, they're trying to say, you know, they put the blame on the devil and it, it, it's the devil. We need to do something and all this. And well, my own life experience back in 1983, when my aunt was killed, I mentioned it once before, murder, suicide. Uh -huh. And I remember that very vividly and, you know, good Baptist family and all this. And it, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It, they're saying, oh, the devil did it. Well, you know why he they were saying that? Because they were hiding what you may call the sin, the thing that was done wrong. Mm -hmm. We didn't find out for 10 years later, you know, that, that my cousin was being not treated so fairly well, I'm trying to keep it clean, by her stepfather. And this went on for some years. And so the problem we have, and we didn't find out till ten years later, till the nineties. But to me, the, any family that has some kind of hidden turmoil—how do you approach someone that is not going to have a negative or a bad reaction? That is the fear of the people that are going through this. 
like in my family. And I won't, I'm not talking about over there. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about myself. And because uh, I know that they all have their own problems. We all do. But to me, I've learned that you can't just walk up to somebody and say, this is what's going on today. This has been happening to me. Mm-hmm. Or this person said that because how does someone know how to react? Nobody ever reacts mm-hmm. in a in a good way, mm-hmm. you know? And so anyway, that being said, um, uh, my sisters, uh, I think they went over there and they talked to somebody on the news for a little while. I think it was Dallas News. And, uh, you know, we're all brought up in the church and everything. But, you know, and I was just thinking, I'm holding my King James Bible. I was going to ask Jacob, if, if I translated every single word that I'm reading in the King James to Hebrew, it'd be about the same, wouldn't it? Uh, Good question. Well, it would capture the same ideas, I believe. Well, that's what I mean, because, you know, because it, it said a lot, the Jewish intent. But I think what it really means, what you really mean is this word in Hebrew means this. And so, just before I go, uh, I love the word, uh, not the word, but uh, the way John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, and that's the spiritual part I think you were going to talk about, Mm -hmm. when it says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was, in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and Without him, without without him. Made yes, and made. so I was going to ask Jacob if he wanted to to describe if he could the word and how could the word be with him and the word was you know the word was God Good. and I'm sure there's some kind of spiritual thing there but anyway thanks for taking my call back and our. Feelings go out to everyone out there that needs, yeah, needs some kind of good work. Thank you for sharing tonight, and uh, Jacob, you've actually talked to this before. We, when we get into John chapter one, and we talk, John there, the apostle, is talking about Jesus, the, the Messiah. I mean, it's clear in the context. He says, yeah. and, the, "And the and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, right. and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father." But we're back to this idea of the word, the, the verb, the active. You've spoken to that, I think, yeah. several times. Yeah. Well, look, you go ahead. Do you have Do you have some thought on that? Or? Um. Mine, mine is a typical, probably weak and shallow sort of a Gentile approach. In that, oh, you, you shouldn't know, say well, that. Well, I, 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 I'm being honest. I'm not trying to be, you know, kind of self-effacing or anything. But uh, it's just. Uh, I think he's talking about Jesus and he's declaring here the deity of the Messiah, that God's son, the eternal son of God, took on flesh. And uh, that's the way I view it, the word uh, uh, referring to the Messiah. Uh, so the so word, it's not so it's not in it's mysterious. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, how does God become a man? You know, we have to spend a lot of time thinking and pondering to understand that. But it's not as. Uh, as involved, I think, as your explanation about the Word and it was in God and the Word well, expressed. And yeah. I, well, I can't remember the, the details word, of your So I, I've heard people say that there. the word Word is another name for Jesus. Mm. Is, that, is that correct? I know not another. Well, I guess it has become a name for Jesus. But the, I, I think the idea is that he's calling uh, you'll know what the word means in Greek or whatever, it, it, that we see it as the, 
God spoke is the active, uh, creative. The the word was in the beginning. God spoke the, the, the world in the creation. The word spoke was the world. God. The word is God. Yeah. Uh, the, well, God the, spoke uh, the universe into existence, and yeah, so on and so yeah. on. So Jesus is uh, uh, Jesus is is God. You know, He is part of the creative process, and so on and so on. But that's well, that's uh, like I, I say, that's just uh, on the face value. Uh, well, when I read it, I read it differently. Uh huh. I know. And uh, the word, <laughs> and, and if you do it in Greek, it's logos, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But um, I don't think that's correct. Jesus was not a Greek, and uh, neither was God. True. Neither was John, actually. So. This is right. But the first story, it was God, it was with God. The old story um, that the Jews have had, I don't know when the story came from, but it's quite old, that when God spoke the world into being in Genesis chapter 1, like right now I'm talking to you, and before I speak to you, the air, my breath is inside mm-hmm. of me, and, and the sound hasn't come out of my mouth. So it is part of me. So when I speak, the breath comes out, and I say the words. So when the word now leaves my mouth, the word is independent of me. And I think the word means uh, Torah or Darvin, um, which means that that would be Hebrew or Jewish. And so and when it says in verse 1, John 1, 14, it says, The word became flesh. I take it to mean this. And I and I don't and I know some Christian folks may not appreciate that because it's it seems to be a step down from being God, but I don't mean it that way. But it says the Word became flesh. What word? The Torah. So I think what it's saying is because they do the Jews also do have the understanding that the the Torah was written before the world was created. So they all say things like he looked into the Torah and then he said, and so. Um, when the Word became flesh, is the Torah became flesh. That's the way I understand it. It doesn't mean that I'm right. But in, in verse 1 of John, it says, The Word was God, and it is God. Well, before I speak my next breath, and words come out of my mouth, the air is still in me. It is part of me. My words are still part of me. But when the air comes out, my breath, and the words come out, it's now independent of me. And it's no longer me. Mm-hmm. But when it was with me, it is me. Mm-hmm. So they actually that is not. Uh, I just got to jump in quickly. I don't see that in my poor, humble thinking. That he, I don't see that as being any different in reality from what we're saying. We're saying that Jesus Christ was God. He is the one of the the persons of the Godhead, and that he took became the physical human expression of God's commandments, God's holiness, God's righteousness. He became the, uh, that seems to make sense to me. I don't see it as particularly contradictory uh, necessarily to what we, uh, well, the reason reason I say that is because a lot of times people say, well, wait a minute, as you say, Jesus was God. And if you say he was just the Bible or Torah, then that's a step down from God himself. And so they sometimes have an issue with that. But my thought is from the old ancient writings is that the word was in God's mouth. The breath was in him. I use my breath to speak. I use my voice to form the words. They come out. And 
Yeah. And so when it comes out, it's not me anymore, but it is the Torah. Now, the Torah is regarded among the, the Jews as certainly as uh, sacred and as certainly as holy as Christians would consider sure. Jesus. Sure. Well, so, uh, let, let me. Uh, well, I, I'm right, going to try something. One, that, one more line. Okay. Uh-huh. One more line is, and the Torah, because it's God's word, is holy. It came from God. Sure. And the Torah does not sin. Uh, of course. Okay. I, I don't. I don't see that as particularly contradictory if we understand the Torah, God's commands, are the perfect expression of God's character. They're not something different. Right. They are. The character of God expressed for our understanding in in our human sphere and understanding, they are they are expression of, of God Himself, His mm-hmm. His character, His priorities, His uh, His holiness, His righteousness. They are the perfect expression of that, and, and the sense here that Jesus uh, is the Torah, He is the Word, is that He is the physical human as a human being, uh, God, just as God took on shape and form expression in the Torah. He took on shape and form and expression in a human body and human flesh as a person. And that I think that seems to be what John is saying there, that the, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And of course, this isn't a new idea. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we're told that God tells Adam and Eve in the garden that uh, after after the serpent has deceived Eve and uh, in confusion, they've made this tragic decision in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I'm going to heal this. I'm going to undo the work of, uh, of the serpent here, the deceiver. I'm going to undo that work because I'm going to send uh, a redeemer. I'm going to send a savior, and he's going to crush Satan's head, although his heel will be wounded. And, and in that one little sentence, is Gen- Genesis 3, 15, we see the first but the first hint, the first pre- uh, um, prediction of the redemptive plan of God, that he's going to send somebody. It's going to be, it's not going to be an alien. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be an animal. It's going to be of the human race. It's going to be the seed of woman. And it's going to be a male of the seed of the woman. Uh, that cuts it down to the half of the population of the world, of the males of the world. And he's going to be a redeemer, a savior. And he will be wounded and and. and uh, on our on, in the process, but he will crush the head. He will undo the work of Satan in bringing about sin and death uh, into the human experience. And so, right there, you have the first little hint opening up to the rest of the narrative, the, the redemptive narrative which the Bible presents. Now, I, I want to j- jump a, a, a quickly, if we can, these final ten minutes or so to this whole aspect of uh, what do we want? You know, folks, you're out there playing. You know, I, I hate to interrupt, but uh, and I'll be quite quiet. After, but I don't want to make one point mm-hmm, going back mm-hmm. to Genesis, based on what you just said. Uh, in Genesis chapter three, verse ten, and uh, it says, uh, "God says to Adam, where you know, where are you?'" And in verse ten, he said, "Adam saying, I heard the sound of you in the garden.'" Now I've never known why Christians haven't picked up on this. That word is not sound. That word is the word memra. And that one of the definitions of that is, I heard the word walking in the garden. Now look how close Isn't that is to John one mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all. No, oh, wonderful, yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> there's so many little details in this uh, account that we look at, and we probably definitely would not have time to cover them all. But uh, there we have it. But we, it, let's back up from the details and look at the big picture. We basically have two 
options, either uh, uh, not just any God, uh, just you know, just some God created, some great being, but let's just let's put in in in, uh, junct, uh, in position these two theories. One is that the God of the Bible, uh, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the biblical narrative, God has created us. And he has created us with a purpose in this fear of existence that we live in as human beings on this planet Earth. And that he's done that in, in order to call out a people from the human race to call out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. And he's placed us in this context, in this system, where we make that decision. Each and every one of us make that decision as to whether we want God and desire God and want to honor God and worship God and experience God and and honor God as our God, or we don't. That that really fundamentally is the question that every human being has to answer. And I'm talking about every culture, from every tribe, every nation, every language group of the world. Uh, and I've seen a great number of them, and I and I've seen enough of them to know that what I'm telling you is true. Men and women, boys and girls, in all of these cultures, whether it's Mongolia or Japan or Latin America or uh, anywhere you would find, men and women make these same decisions they are thinking about these same things about the meaning of life and who how we got here and is god there and 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 they're making their decision as to whether they want to follow god or know god or whether they do not or whether they you know they how seriously they take their pursuit of god uh, and and, uh, and and so that is a fundamental decision that people make if you if you look at romans chapters 1 and 2 paul talks about this that we are either godward or we're selfward those fundamental qualities, and so you can look at there in Romans one and two that he lays out those two potential po those possibilities. What I want to ask you tonight is what are the implications if we just crawled out of the slime, if indeed there is no creator, if indeed there is no spiritual dimension, if indeed we we die, we like as the book of Ecclesiastes says, we're like animals or dogs that die in the street. We just die and it's over and that's it. Uh, if there is nothing more than this then then uh you know that that's that's a fact okay we have to deal with that fact and if that's what the world we live in it does away with whatever else it does it does away with any transcendent truth or values uh, there's no such thing as love uh, there's no such thing as patience there's no such thing as virtues nor are there any such thing as vices there's no such thing as right and wrong they're just different opinions that different human beings have about the way we should live. Uh, there is no transcendent value or authority given to them. Uh, are you able truly to live with that? Are you able truly to live with the fact that there's really no right and wrong? What happened uh, in these towns and cities in California and here in Sutherland Springs? What happens at 9-11? Nine, nine murder and the... the, the, the the lack of morality, the immorality, uh, and so on that, that seems so rampant around our nation, around the world, and so on. The, uh, are we willing truly to think that there isn't any really value? I mean, we really, it's just a matter of opinion. Might makes right, whoever makes the rules. But there's no, there's no real authority. There's no foundation to the idea of goodness to the idea of generosity, to the idea of patience, even to the idea of beauty. There's nothing. It's just one guy's opinion. And, and if, uh, it, you know, if, 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 if a Stalin had won or a, a Hitler had won World War II, then we'd be living under that kind of, you know, that would be the rule of the day. That would be the norm. 
Uh, and uh, the idea is that if you if we don't believe that there's a reason and a purpose and a, and a transcendent truth of, of our existence, then that would be perfectly all right with you. I mean, you have no basis for not wanting that or except that oh, it's just what I want. I want that. Well, other people may want something else. So how do we know what is right and does right have a basis, right and wrong, a significance? How do we find purpose and meaning and significance in life? We, we, there is no basis for significance in this life. Uh, we die and we're gone and that's it and it's over. And you, So that, that's, I, I think it's sometimes when we talk about creation versus evolution and all that, oh, it's fun to talk about it in the classroom. We're not, we're not going to talk religion. We're not going to talk. But we just, but these things, they have implications. They have meanings. They have significance. They make a difference in the way we behave and the way we live. Uh, and the more and further we move away from God in a transcendent meaning and significance and the Torah, God's commands and, and goodness and righteousness, the further we move away from that worldview as a society, the more we see this kind of barbarism, this kind of immorality. And again, as the, as the prophet says, we're sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind. We are letting turning loose uh, as a generation, we're walking into a sphere of meaningless and purposelessness and lawlessness. It will come home to roost. It will have effects. Now, I'm not one like Harold said that, you know, the, Satan's in this. The devil made me do it. Now, there was a comedian named Flip Wilson who used to have a routine about the devil made me do it. And uh, I mean, there is an enemy of our souls. There is other spiritual forces that that do resist God and his people and his redemptive plan. And it's, uh, he is at work and yet, uh, we make our decisions and we, as a culture, as a society and as individuals, and, uh, we are, uh, we're playing with fire as we've had, we've been so blessed as a culture, as a society with the Judeo Christian ethic, with the Judeo Christian biblical worldview. Uh, it, it is true. It's not just, it's, it's convenient and it's nice. It's true and and the laws of God are based on the reality of how things really are, how we should, truly should behave. Not just a majority of people think we should, but this is, God has ordained. This is the way we should, if we are going to be good and right people, that's the way we should behave and treat each other. So I, I think I, I want to put that out there in the argument because we're discussing these things today. And there is, they say the millennials are really toying and playing with this idea of, of atheism and godlessness and, and uh secular you know agnosticism we can't know anything and so we're just going to live as if there we're going to be practical atheists we're going to live as if there's no god and i just want to encourage you challenge you invite you uh urge you to reconsider uh the god of the bible knowing god and being reconciled to god through his redemptive plan through the atonement of jesus on our behalf and being made being reconciled to god and living and in, under his laws and his, his righteousness, worshiping him and experiencing him, that's the way to live. That's the only path of significance and meaning and depth of experience. It will enrich your life. I invite you today to trust God, pursue God, and trust in him to bring you into that relationship with himself. Jacob, how should we live? Uh, we should always be the kind of person we would like to have for a parent. Thank you, folks, for joining us.
Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.